0: To another episode of God built this podcast I'm your host Maxine I want episode 245 hello 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 <laughs> uh let's get into these topics so the brat and her wife have chosen a white sperm donor um congrats <laughs> I mean like how do you respond to this so she actually made the announcement. Actually, she sh- she shocked us, right? She shocked us that she was pregnant and that she was the one carrying, right? Because Debrat has presented herself as this non-feminine woman. Let's just say that. And though she has always had her face beat for the gods, like she always had well done makeup. She has always dressed as a non-feminine woman. So for her to be the one carrying was just very interesting. Maybe her wife did not have the means to carry, meaning maybe she had some complications and it was just healthier for Debrat to carry instead. Or maybe they just maybe they just agreed and DeBrat wanted to carry more than the the wife did who knows who knows nonetheless she is the one who is with child carrying the child and she decided to go with a white sperm donor after many hours and time spent finding the right sperm so now for those who may not know because i actually was was made aware of this recently but i heard of this as a rumor but never did my research or never really, like, looked into it even more, um, whether intentionally or not. But with sperm banks, men could just, like, drop off their sperm and get paid for that. And though I think it's, like, $100 a pop. (laughs) So if you may find yourself in a financial you know, downward spiral, giving your sperm may be the way way to go. you know, especially if you like to jack off and you typically produce a lot of sperm when you do so, this may be a great route for you financially. And if you don't care about having your biological seeds out there and not knowing them. People people do this, you know, people do this and have found a way to feel comfortable with the idea of uh, just giving up their kid, essentially. Now, the morale of this, I don't know if I'm mm, like a proponent of just like constantly giving away your sperm. Just because it's like, damn. Do you not ever wonder about the the kids that you have given away? Like I don't know, I'm just I'm literally just thinking a lot about it. I'm not trying to be judgmental about this process because I do understand how beneficial it is for those who are on IVF journeys. and you know when you have same sex couples, this is something that is very beneficial, particularly for female couples so i do get the benefit i just do i just wonder about the mindset of the man who decides to just give up his sperm so consistently for financial benefit but i, I just you know what is that like what does that really mean anyway so the brat and her wife jessica judy harris dupart wow will welcome a biracial baby boy after selecting a white sperm donor to conceive their first child, the happily married pair are sharing their um, is 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 right because pair is yeah but anyway that's how the article's written are sharing their pregnancy journey in the season three of the Wee TV series. Brat loves Judy. Uh, last week, the show followed the rapper and hair care mogul as they began their IVF journey and selected a sperm donor. Quote, we looking through the cryo bank thing, but we don't see no black people, Bratt told their doctor. Okay. Uh, She said the issue is that there just aren't enough black donors. So they were already in a limited pool. And the black donors apparently that they did come across she said look like Jiminy Cricket <laughs> now for those who may not be familiar of Jiminy Cricket let, so this is has a historical reference it's from a Disney fictional character called Jiminy Cricket and the show is actually called it's called Talking Cricket. Oh, no. So it's from The Adventures of Pinocchio. And so it's a character from that show. And I'm still not understanding the, the correlation with a black man and Jiminy Cricket. But I just, I instantly just assumed the name Jiminy Cricket, just the sound of that name made me think of slavery. It made me think of Massa and his slaves. And that slave who's trying to be on the good graces of Massa, so he performs, he does a little dance, he tap dances for the man. That's what I immediately think of when I think of the name Jiminy Cricket. Um, so but her reference to that comes from she she painted it as a negative connotation, like, ew, this guy looks like Jiminy Cricket, he's ugly, he has scars on his face like he does he's not attractive. I don't like to say the word ugly. Let me take that back. But, like, just in her eyes, in her perspective, he's ugly. He's unattractive. That's what I mean by that. And one may ask, what do you mean? Like, it's a sperm. How can you tell a sperm is ugly or not? Uh, so when you are – apparently when you are selecting your sperm, you are, you are given the profile of the donor. You may not know the donor's name. Actually, I think you do know the donor's name and you get to see a picture of who that donor is and just how he looks like, right? So he may be 5'7", 6'2". So you see his physical characteristics and the likeliness of your child looking like this man. And if the person you're viewing is deemed unattractive from your point of view then you may choose differently, you know, depending on if you're really into, you know, physical attributes over DNA or genetic um, strengths. So maybe despite him being so intelligent and a strong analytical thinker, if he's 5'9 or if he's 5'7, then eh, I want my baby to be tall, right? So you'll just squash him out of the option bank and look at the next person. And the next person may be 6'3", but he's not ambitious. He kind of demonstrates this lazy and just inadequate personality. So you're unimpressed intellectually, but you're impressed physically. you know, so sometimes there's a give or take, just like with anybody in real life, right despite despite the sperm bank situation. But nonetheless, apparently despite despite <laughs> despite despite already having a limited pool of black donors, the two the, the pool that they were already in, the men weren't as attractive as they would have preferred. She said, quote, and that dude looked like Jiminy Cricket. I was like, I'm sorry, but that wasn't going to be my choice. (laughs) Okay. So as a result, the couple decided a white sperm donor was going to be their option. Quote, Because we didn't have a lot to choose from, he definitely wasn't black. Uh, But I think we did a great job with picking. He's handsome, he's tall, and I think he's going to look beautiful with my wife's egg. So there's that. The is having a white baby. (laughs) End of the episode. I'll see y'all next time. No. (laughs) I I just thought it was an interesting topic. So that's why I wanted to talk talk about it briefly but I mean who cares? Uh let's move on. Okay, so I've been so fascinated lately with van life. I've been on YouTube on a spiral and you know how YouTube is or really just with any social media platform there's a whole community that you could find of that topic which is so fascinating to me. But now van life for those who may not know what that is because i didn't know what what it was until recently actually let's start off from the beginning i don't know if i ever talked about this movie that i watched called nomadland recently i watched it like two or three weeks ago let me make sure it's the right yeah nomadland is a phenomenal movie that came out in 2020 um, and it's about, <laughs> you know, how you type in something on Google and it has a section that says people also ask. And then one of the questions after I typed in Nomadland is what was the point of the movie Nomadland? <laughs> that is so funny to me. So I, I think it's funny because some pe- sometimes people don't like these like. I don't want to say pointless movies, but like these movies that don't necessarily have the typical conflict, rising action, resolution, climax—you know, just the whole makeup of what a plot is. And Nomadland doesn't—I'm sure it does—if you really look at it—but it's not as obvious. It's more of a um, internal experience you go through while watching. It makes you. Think about life itself. What's important? What's not important? You know, what happens when everything materialistically is stripped away from you? Who are you still? And how do you persevere and move on? I think that really is the point of the movie. And I just love movies like that because it really makes you think about what really matters. You know, yes, money matters. I want to kind of improve my way of thinking about money, but I also want us to have a balanced approach when it comes to just the intangible in life, you know, love, connection, friendship, relationship. Um, you know, stuff like that that you really can't quantify. You just have to be in it and be present. Um, but it's it's a really beautiful movie. Please check it out. And so, just a synopsis: It's a woman in her sixties who, after losing everything in the Great Recession, embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. Ugh. and it's—I think—that's a perfect way to just say what it's about without giving too much. Um, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, but you just—you as you watch you see this woman who's in, who's up in age, you know? And this is actually a, a real experience of many people who decide to embark on a life of being a nomad. And, you know, what I find so interesting is that with anything in life, there's always a class system, right? Like... If you are someone who have more resources, who have more privileges, who have money, you know, who has money, you have more access to things. You have more, um, you have more of a way to live a comfortable, luxurious lifestyle, while someone living that same lifestyle does not, right? Like, so for example, what I mean by that is. You could have two people living a nomad life, living in their van. One person who comes from a privileged background has a decked out van, a Mercedes Benz van, um, a, a full shower in the van, a very comfortable queen size bed in the van, a gas a gas oven, a gas stove, a, a, gar- a little garage—not even a little, but a good-sized garage in the back of the van. The van feels so spacious because of how it's designed. It's well insulated. All is a beautiful, well-stocked. Anyone want Anyone will want to live in this van. That's the woman or person, you know, whether a woman or man or a couple, even who has a privileged background and could afford such a van. Yet, let's look at person B, who does not come from a a background of privilege, but does embark on a nomad lifestyle, and is living in a van, and this person has just enough, you know? So this person has a bed, um but doesn't have a shower and definitely doesn't have a a toilet compost system in the van the van is cramped um you can't really stand up too tall in it you pretty much bend when you get in the back in order to get to your the bed section you just have you just have enough OK, you just have you don't have any you don't have these decked out lights. You don't have these uh, gas stoves. She has the you know that you have those electronic stoves where it's to go like those to go stoves that people will have when they're camping. Um, this person has that person B has that. And hey, that's that person's van life experience. And, you know, neither is right or wrong, but when you just think about just class and economic privilege and opportunities and wealth and things that you just, you're either born into it or not, or you get lucky, you know, or you marry someone who has that privilege, so you have it by proxy. Whether you have it or don't, right, it's it's still always a matter of the haves and have-nots. You know, the haves and have-nots. It's always a matter of there's always the Joneses. There's always someone or a group of people who could afford a luxurious version of what you have. I just, I just thought that was so fascinating. So anyway... I'm in the spiral of watching all these van life videos on YouTube and you see these people who truly live in their van or from what they show, right? Like they could be lying, it could all just be for content. Who knows? At least maybe some of them are lying. Who knows? But let's let's just say it's all real. They are like they're actually living to what they demonstrate in their videos. Um, what they demonstrate in the title of their videos. Like there's a couple of people I've watched so far. Well, many people, not, not just two, um, many people I've watched so far who have lived in their van for at least a year full time. And it's either a solo traveler, whether male or female or a couple who's been doing it for a while. And, the whole aesthetic is is really alluring like it's aesthetically pleasing to see how people transform a car a vehicle into their dwelling place like it's actually beautiful how you can make anything into a home like you can make your office into a home you know you can make your classroom if you're a teacher into a home you can make your you could make anything you could make your car into a home, and I just never even considered that as a thought to explore, just like just on some just curiosity type of stuff. I'm not saying this to say that um I'm next, right i'm I'm gonna do that. It's just I don't know it it kind of made me just in just fascinated and intrigued I think um for me. I don't know if I want to say this out loud, but what I'm saying is I just find it fascinating. I think there's a trend of many people deciding to find a way to live without being stationary or just finding alternative ways of living, even tiny homes, you know, um, or people purchasing trailer homes and making it into a tiny home and the surrounding area that that home is 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 located in that's their backyard and front yard like it's it's just fascinating how people how us as humans can make anything into anything like we could create anything into whatever we want and i just think that is so beautiful you know so anyway so there's there's a lot of videos on youtube of van life And you just get—I—I just got into a frenzy of watching so many videos of different people finding different ways to live comfortably while on the road, and them talking about why they decided to take on this alternative way of living. And honestly, what I'm fascinated and so intrigued, and um, what I admire the most is people going the path of what's less taken, right? The the path of most resistance, the road less traveled. I've always loved that poem, The Road Less Traveled. I think that's the title of it, but I remember being exposed to that poem when I was in high school. Is it by Henry David Thoreau? Either way, but I was just so taken aback by it because is just beautiful to me it takes a lot of strength to go and do the opposite of what other people are doing around you right maybe you have a circle of people in your life who you grew up with who you've known since childhood and they've all did the same thing what was expected of them and you took a leap of faith you, held on to your bravery, and decided to do something different, whatever is that different thing to you, I applaud you for it, because it's so easy to fall victim, really, to the pressures of what other people put upon ourselves, right, it's so easy to go about life in the way that others want us to go about life. Like it's difficult to think for yourself. Sometimes I really feel like it, like not for me. Right. It's not for me, but like <laughs> obviously not for me, but I could, I could see, right. I could see how it's difficult for some people, for many people to not think for themselves, to be told what to do, to be given directions. What do I do now to not have that creativity? So I can only imagine, you know, the just the easy route it is. But every time I would like even try to do what other people have told me to do, it's like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> try somebody else, you know. I, so anyway, so all of this, thi- all of these things just make me fascinated of like. I just love alternative things, honestly. You know, just alternative way of living, alternative alternative way of just being. I think it's a beautiful way to explore life. Like, life is what you make it. You know, you don't have to live in this con- uh, constrained, confined type of way. You just got to live and pursue your happiness however that looks like for you anyway so go ahead and check out that movie nomadland um but what i bring up van life um okay so (laughs) there's a little correlation so this something that i've learned about is another new trend called water talk so i don't have tiktok i keep saying it all the time and i i don't know maybe i should maybe i should Maybe I should conform to China. Maybe I should. Psych. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind. Who knows? But I I don't know. Anyway, but the point is there's this trend on TikTok called Water Talk. And it sounds so silly. Like, what? Water Talk? But there is a a community of people, of women in particular, who take – pride in the water bottles that they have and just the aesthetic of the water bottles. Now, honestly, after watching a couple of videos of what water talk is, I think I'm a little bit of a victim of water talk because, and I'm saying a little bit on purpose because I'm not, in comparison to some of these girls or women, I am nowhere near how they are. But I am a victim of things that look good. I really do like cute, aesthetically pleasing things, and my water bottles are cute. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing about me: I don't. I hate a plastic water bottle. Oh my! No, you know, let me tell you what I hate the most. I hate an empty plastic water bottle. I hate seeing that in front of me. I hate. I hate when people are almost done with their plastic water bottle and you hear that noise of that plastic water bottle being almost done. I hate I just hate the I hate how you could crush up the plastic water bottle. I <laughs> I hate maybe it's just plastic for me, I don't like, but it's just something about a plastic water bottle. I just never I just maybe not say this. I'm not, i gonna offend some people. I feel like I'm gonna offend some people, but it just feels dirty. Hello? I'm sorry. Like, whenever I would see a plastic water bottle, it will always be a, with a bunch of mess. So I immediately associate it with dirt and someone who just don't care to clean up after themselves. I'm, I'm sorry. That's what I think of. So I just never liked, and I just hate when people, because, oh, my gosh, my dad drinks a lot of water. And I get that from him. I've always loved water. I'm a water drinker. It's water and Coke all day. Now, I know I got to stop with the Coke. No, I don't. No, I don't. Let me stop. No, I don't. Maybe I'll take breaks with me periodically. I don't know. I've I've done that several times, so it's fine. But it's me and my Coke forever. Okay? <laughs> me and my Coke forever. Coca-Cola, I mean, in case no one is aware. Um, but what was I saying? But yeah, my dad drinks a lot of water. Yet my dad, he has water bottles like you know, re well you, uh, you could re you could reuse plastic water bottles, but he has like actual water bottles. And yet he continues to get several plastic water bottles and drink them and leaves the water, the plastic water bottles anywhere and everywhere. you see them, you see some water bottles without the cap. Oh my, I hate a water. I hate a plastic water bottle without the cap on it. like what what the fuck is going on? What is going on? So you see <laughs> you see like several of of the plastic water bottle just out and about. Just living their lives, pouncing around. Um, you see some of them with half water, fourth of of water in it. It's just, it's just fucking, it's just everywhere. It's fucking. I hate, I hate it. And instead of just like reusing an actual water bottle and like refilling that and taking that with him, he just gets packs of water, plastic water bottles. Anyway, if I haven't stressed enough how much I hate water, plastic water bottles, I don't know what else to say. But why did I bring that part up? Anyway, I bring that part up because I, you know, living in my own home now, well, you know, in my apartment, but my home. I'm, I just want to make sure that's clear too. Um, but I just don't like – I don't like extra stuff. And I feel like with plastic water bottle, first, isn't that not environmentally friendly? What what about that, you know? Oh, but you could recycle. No one's fucking recycling, okay? But the point is, I just like pretty things. And I, I like with my water bottle is that I have the Stanley Cup. And I have, I just recently purchased the Hydro Flask. Now, the reason why I got the Stanley cup is I like the straw part. Um it just felt so pressional. I like the handle. I like that the bottom of it you could fit you could easily fit in your car cup holder. So I had that for a couple of months. I still have. I still use it. But I be, I was using it consistently f- um from work to home, from work to home. And I drink water consistently, like, so it's very, it's used. Like, my money is um, being spent well. Then I decided to also get the Hydro Flask water bottle because I got tired of having to always hold the handle of the Stanley Cup water bottle, and I felt like, because the straw was out. Like, you can't cover the straw. I mean, you could get a straw cover, but that's just like, what? I'm not doing that, right? I mean, I could, but I just don't want to do that. It might mess up the aesthetic for me. So I decided not to do that. No, yeah, I decided not to get the straw cover, and I decided to get the Hydro Flask water bottle because after research, I I noticed that the top – You could close the, so it's still a straw, it's like a sippy straw, and you could, like, put it down, and it essentially covers it. So that's what I appreciate, because when I'm walking with my water bottle, I don't have to worry about dirt being, any dirt or debris being collected at the sippy straw part, you know? Anyway, I hope this makes making sense to anyone, <laughs> to my to my male listeners. But anyway, I love this water bottle. It's great. And there's the handle's at the top, so it's, I feel like it's easier to hold also. Um, yeah, I think it's better to hold in comparison to Stanley Cup. Um, but I still love both. So I have both. So I have two water bottles. And I'm just so... Uh, in love with both of them. Like I, I get, I get excited, refilling my water bottles. I feel cool. I like the look of it. it. It matches my fly, and I just feel like you know, with anything that we do, we have to find some way of feeling joyful about it. Like find some way to bring out the the joy in our water bottles. <laughs> Not the plastic ones. So I think with me, I just, I find little pockets of joy e- anywhere. And my water bottles are my pockets of joy. <laughs> but honestly, um, so what I learned about this is that there is condescension with anything in life, you know? You know, so for those, so, you know, I just spent, what is it, 10, 12 minutes shitting on plastic water bottles to this day and I stand by it I stand by what I said but I also understand how that comes across to those who only drink plastic water bottles and who don't care to use a real water bottle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not a plastic one, you know. I I can understand how I'm shitting on those who leave their plastic water bottles out and about anywhere, you know. Um, <clears throat> no cover on the top, half drunken. It's just fucking gross to me. But I can understand how it looks like I'm in a place of privilege because i decided to purchase a 50 water bottle two of them um while you got a pack of 60 water plastic water bottles and you reuse maybe a few of them at a time and then finally throw it away by crushing it i can understand how it appears but hey look Everyone, I feel like everyone has a point to be the privileged one. And this is my point to be the privileged one. I will stand by it. I love my nice, pretty water bottles. So shout out to Stanley. Shout out to Hydro Flask. They're the bomb. And I really, I just want us all to move away from plastic water bottles. So if it if it takes me having to shame you, then shame, shame, shame. (laughs) Let's let's, let's fucking do it. Um, speaking of shame, let's talk about homeless people. Sorry. That's horrible. Don't feel shame. Um, I kind of wanted to segue from the van life talk to homelessness. Um, you know, the, in recent years, the language around homeless people have changed to, well, from those who are, you know, woke in the negative sense, in the annoying AOC sense, they, instead of saying homeless, they will say the unhoused. So,, um, I will actually say the same thing for those who live in a van or in their vehicle of any sort, you know, I think we, for so long, I know for myself, before I've been exposed to van life, and just alternate, alternate ways of living, um, I just immediately dismissed like, oh, she's homeless, he's homeless, like, ugh, like, it was this instant dismissive tone I had towards anyone who didn't have a home, a home like, we all think a home is, right? A house, an apartment, that type of dwelling. And there was this instant um, just condescension towards those who decided to live outside, those who decided to live in their vehicle. And I find it to be an area of, gro- of growth that I finally experienced for myself to challenge that way of thinking. Like, you don't have to have a physical, like the typical home of a house, of an apartment, to have a home, right? Home is really where the heart is. And I, I know that sounds so cliche and cheesy and, oh okay. But it truly is where the heart is. Just like I said earlier, us as humans, we can make anything whatever we want it to be. So I think it's very fascinating that people who do dwell in their vans, who dwell in their Jeep, who dwell in a, a school bus, they have created that space into their home however that looks like for them. And I think that is so beautiful. Now, let's also talk about the impact of homeless people. And I'm just going to use that term because that is a term that we are all used to instead of saying unhoused, right? Because, sure, you have homeless people who have created their own dwelling and made it their home under the bridge, Right? Or in front of your house. <laughs> right? Um, but anyway, so I'm just gonna use homeless because it's just a term that we all know when it comes to homelessness. So, homeless people, you know, they're a trip, right? Like, I think we also have to be mindful of just the reality of the effects of homeless people, especially in inner cities. You know, I think. Um, especially for me. So I live in a downtown area. I live in downtown. And I think that there are major differences between living in downtown and living in a suburban area. Because when I was living in the suburbia of of Houston, or yeah, the suburbs, really, um, I was able to comfortably walk outside. And go for a walk around my neighborhood, look at other homes as I walk, not feel like my life is in danger, or someone's about to follow me, or someone's about to say, Hey mama, you know, you know, that you know, I'm about to smell alcohol at ten in the morning. Like I don't have to deal with that. Yet now that live now that I live in downtown. Oh, I deal with that. Like the first and last time I walked around my neighborhood, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit again. (laughs) I'm not doing this shit again. And the reason why I decided to walk out, I just, I really just wanted to look at and just really embrace the fact that, oh, I finally moved to an area I said I wanted to move to. So I wanted to get acclimated to the neighborhood. And yeah, that was the first and last time I did that because as soon as I stepped, Two two steps to the right. It was a bombarding of of homeless people. Just eye contact, someone someone doing the Dougie someone smelling like fish. It 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 was a lot, you know? And I think because this I think some people some homeless people you can't tell. But I always could tell because I, I, I just have a good sense of who is who, nigga. Like who, I know your place in society. I, I need to know. I need to know for my self-preservation, right? I need to know you know what am I about to deal with just based off of where you where you are status wise. And I'm sorry that sounds shitty, but it just I have to kind of be on alert for my protection. So, I could always tell a homeless person from a mile away. But I do have to also recognize that some of them look well put together. Like, there's a lot of homeless men who are very, like, well built and um, have a lot of muscle. Let's say that. Like, that like, like, they have no choice but to push up all the time. And it's like... Oh, my gosh. This is a lot. Um, But, so, anyway, the point is there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them in downtown, and that makes sense, of course, because it's an interconnected space. They have more accessibility and resources available to them, so I can understand why they would dwell in downtown. I can't even be mad at that. But I also have to rearrange and adjust the way that I live because of them. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> That's so shitty. No, but seriously, like there is an adjustment for civilians who are not homeless to, to those who are. And um, this brings me to the Jordan Neely situation or the death rather that took place a few days ago in New York City. So Jordan Neely is a, or was, because he has passed, Um, he was a young man, a young black man, who was homeless or was, was without a house. And he was known for imitating Michael Jackson. So he had the whole Michael Jackson gear from the jerry curl to the red leather jacket. <clears throat> I'm sure it's pleather, right? But nonetheless, he had the aesthetic of Michael Jackson. He copied his moves. Many people in New York City, excuse me, were probably already familiar of him prior to this story. Um, one day he decided to go into the train, as many homeless people do, um, but this time around, he said a couple of words that made him even more of a target. And I'm going to say more of a target because oftentimes homeless people are seen as targets, right? They're seen as the just the crumbs of society. They're disregarded and Sure, it's not okay to do that. It's, you know, they're human beings. They deserve justice, just like us all. Um, but oftentimes, they are the class that is unprotected, as well as prostitutes. And um, that's just what it is in our society. So so he's he, he gets on this train, and he starts sh- screaming. Now, for those who may not know about New York... New York is a mind your business city. It ain't my business. That ain't got shit to do with me. You know, just keep your head looking forward. Don't pay attention to what's going on around you. Get off at your stop and go home. And that is the attitude that many people have in New York City. I would and I would also say in many like cities around the country. Like, I, th- I think that's similar to Boston as well. Like, for me, I, I always was like that also. Like, ain't got shit to do with me. Mind your business. Because as soon as you stare too long to someone or at someone, your life is in danger. <laughs> like, I learned that quick. Taking the bus home from school and always coming across people who were either homeless or just – mentally ill um and that was many times one and the same so I had to learn quick don't stare too long at someone they could get offended they create the scenario in their head and now boom their their stick is up in your face you know they may be carrying a cane stick or whatever and Shit, it just becomes too much of an issue. So just do, literally don't pay attention. And I think I still have that. I know I still do because for me, it takes a lot for me to give you eye contact. I just always learn to avert my eyes. Like, don't. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Like, don't stare at people too long because you could get hurt. Uh. Anyway, so he gets on this train and he says, I don't have food. I don't have a drink. I'm fed up. He then says, I don't mind going to jail and getting life in prison. I'm ready to die. Now, here's the thing. Many people who have ridden trains in New York City, this is pretty common in those trains. You know, you have people performing on a train, doing freestyle dances, rapping, all of that to get a couple of dollars, you know, just be entertainment for the passengers there, the pedestrians that, you know, walk by. Like, a lot of people are always putting on a show in these spaces. So, again, being that New York City is a mind-your-business type of city, People like this don't get attention still. So despite maybe some alarming words of him saying, I'm ready to die, because that could set off the the alert of, oh, he's he's about to go off and be crazy because he doesn't care about life. He doesn't care about spending some time in jail because he is that hungry, he's that fed up. He may kill me. He may... He may hurt me, right? So, but you know, being that New York City is this mind your business type of city, it's not going to take heed, if at all, to what he's saying. <laughs> But a veteran did. A veteran did. Now, I'm still trying to understand. I haven't really gotten across to, like, reading an article about what happened. I've just been watching different videos. Um, but I know a veteran is responsible for choking him out, which led to his death. I don't know if the veteran was a tw- – they said he's a 24-year veteran. Now, I don't know if he was 24 years old and happened to be a veteran Or he had 24 years of service, and he's a veteran from that. You know what I mean? So I don't know which one it was, but nonetheless, he's a veteran. And he decided to just choke him out. He decided to go up to him and choke him out. Um, And not only did he choke him out, there were a couple of people who helped in his death. And by helped, I mean who pinned him down as this veteran was choking him out. Now, all of that is strange to me because, first of all, why are you helping to choke this guy out who didn't physically attack anyone, who didn't uh, attack anyone first? And my thing is if you're trying to restrain him, from possibly hurting someone, restrain him by sitting him down or, like, you know, there's a way to do it without getting to death. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why I had to escalate. But, you know, things can escalate so fast that you don't realize until it happens. So maybe it wasn't intentional. But nonetheless, I I do think what happened was wrong. I do think what happened was wrong. Um, He did not deserve to die. I I understand that with the words that he said, maybe some people, maybe that veteran felt triggered, you know, being a veteran and having some flashbacks come to mind. Sometimes with people, you know, some people would be like, you know, don't hit first, but you better hit back, you know, so if you get attacked, you have every right to defend yourself some people will do the first hit because someone has to do it, right? But some people do the first hit to prevent themselves from being attacked anyway, to have more of an advantage. So maybe this veteran felt like, I have to take the first hit. I have to hit this guy first. I have to prevent him from doing something that he may do. He may or may not have done something, but – this veteran felt like he had to step up first. Now, it's all just—it's—I feel like unfortunate is not the right word, um, but it's—it's it's disturbing. It's sad that he did pass from this. Um, but I mean, let's just talk about homeless people for a second. I mean, let's just. <laughs> Can we kind of switch up the tone for a second? Um, R.I.P. Uh, let's see. How do I want to say this? Ah. Ah. Some of these motherfuckers gotta go. Hello? Is the mic on? Some of them, I'm sorry. There's a couple of homeless people around this area that I see frequently. Look, I I was talking to a friend the other day. And I was telling her how, you know, living in downtown, there's a lot of homeless activity. And I can't really, like, walk around if I wanted to. Like, I frequent a park that's nearby, which is a pretty safe park, and I really enjoy that park, and that park is great. But I also was just saying to her, like, I go to that park a lot because I really can't walk around my neighborhood like that. Like, it's not really a walk-around type of aesthetic. (laughs) And I said, because of the homeless people that I see a lot, that is living in wherever. I remember one time I was walking towards the front door of my complex, and there was this guy, this homeless guy, standing still, right, probably like three feet away from the front door, and he's standing still in a way that he's staring still. Um, Shock. In the sh- he had a shock face on. His eyes were bugged out. He was just standing frozen. He was standing still. I'm going to keep on saying that because I want you guys to capture the image. He's standing still, not moving at all, eyes bugged out. You see the white part of his eye, whatever that's called. I forget. But... He's standing so fucking still. And it was like, nigga, what the fuck, dog? Like, it's shit like that that I just feel towards a lot of homeless people. Because it's like, look, can you just, like, stop? Like, can you stop? Like, can you fucking stop? (laughs) Like, can you stop? No, like, can you stop, though? You know, it's like stuff like that just, like, irritates me. Because what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to do right now? Are you trying to intimidate me? Are you trying to make me feel uncomfortable? And, you know, me learning things from a young age, I have to present this (laughs) I'm-not-afraid persona or appearance. Like, I have to be unfazed. I have to act like I didn't see this nigga. Like, even though I obviously saw him, I had to keep walking straight. But obviously, I'm still at a swivel, like, I am still cognizant of him possibly running up, I don't know, but nonetheless, I was aware of his presence, but I was just very annoyed, because what the fuck are you doing, like, what are you doing, dog, like, what are you, can you go, but I don't have anywhere to go, what does that do with me, like, you know, it's just shit like that, just, it's a lie, and I don't mean to sound like a dick, I feel like I sound like a dick, but, like, it's just... Oh, there's a store I was trying to walk into because I wanted to grab something. I wanted to grab something real quick, and as soon as I parked, I noticed this guy, a, a homeless guy, I'm sure, standing right next to the front door of this store, and it looks like he's trying. As has a patron was walking into the store, he is trying to talk to the patron. I'm sure he's asking for some money or whatever it was, and he's like. It was like he was just like talking so fast and like, I gotta, you know, I gotta like doing all of that. And he like his hand movements were were rapid and his face was screwed up, like like, you know, just like that rapper face. He had this hat on, looked like he was kind of sweating too. It just was a lot like, you know what? I wanted to go inside the store. But after I saw this man, I was like, never mind. I literally backed up out of that parking spot. I parked right in front of that store. I saw firsthand, first row of what this guy was doing. I was like, let me go ahead and back up and head out. I'm going to go ahead and head out. You know, like shit like that, just be like, what the fuck are we doing, dog? Like, you know, and I get it. Like, they're obviously in need. Right. Like they're obviously struggling, you know, and I just don't want to be bothered. Still, like I still don't want to be, but bo- I want to walk into the pizza shop and not have to be bombarded with you got money. Do you have a dollar? I don't want to be bombarded with you smelling like honey and Jack. I don't be bombarded with you smelling like fish, dog. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want you to wrap around me. I don't want you to, hey mama, how you doing? How you doing today? You, you looking good? You got a dollar for me, Miss Mama? I don't. I'm sorry. Now look, R.I.P. to Jordan Neely, but I'm just making this as an overall general statement. A lot of these homeless people. <coughs> Just go over there. Okay. It's just annoying. It's annoying, dog. Like, how'd you even get on the fucking train? I don't have food. I don't have a drink, but you had enough. You you got on the train, though. How? Y'all let me end this episode. I'm <laughs> about to go off. But it's just shit like that. It's just, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm I'm not, I'm not discounting his death. He should never died. He should never die. I'm just speaking to how homeless people are. Some of them. I'm speaking to that. I'm speaking to just the inconvenience. Why well, you? Oh, I'm sure it's inconvenient to live under a bridge, huh? Have some sympathy, Maxie. I get it. I sound like a dick. <laughs> I'm just being honest right now, dog. Like, That shit, like, when I tell you that guy who was standing right next to my door or the front door of my complex, that shit was so crazy to me. Like, wait, what? (laughs) Why is he standing right there? And why is he looking like that? And why I got to act like I don't see him so I can survive? Like, or or I'm doing two things at the same time. I got to act like I don't see him, but I definitely see him. But I got to act like I don't so he won't try to – it's just this weird mind game. It's a lot. It's a lot, yo. It's a lot. So, I'm just ready to move up out of the city. I had my time. <laughs> I always said I wanted to live in the city and I could check that off the box. Now I'm ready to find a home that's in the suburbs. Maybe not like completely suburbia, but definitely suburbs-esque at the very least. So, uh God bless. All right, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and end the episode here. Thank you so much for listening, and I will check in with you all next time. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. If you liked it, leave a review, share, and subscribe. God bless.